0: Shapeshifters on The Money Show. we looking forward to this chat for a long time. I've never met Bram Van Hasten. He's in our Cape Town studio this evening. He's the founder and managing director of Techie Town, probably South Africa's largest independent retailer. Fair comment there, Bram?
1: Uh, well, thank you. That's very flattering to hear that. Uh, good evening to you, Bruce. Thank you very much for the invite to come to your studio. Lovely. I must say, the view is lovely from your Cape Town studio. Probably better uh, it than is. yours.
0: It's, it's lovely from our Joburg studio. I see a brick wall. I see my <laughs> producer, who's lovely, my controller, who's lovely, and another brick wall and some, yes, okay, fine. Yes, the view. You have a lovely view. Now, I hope you can concentrate on the questions because you run a multinational, if we call Numabie, Lesotho in South Africa, multinational empire, Based out of George, you've got to take me back to the early days when you grew up as a boy in the southern Cape, and your mum ran a boutique there.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I'll try and make, I'll try and be brief. I probably grew up the first few years in Paris in the Free State, where my Parais. mother had yes, Parais, That's okay. on the wall. Yeah. Yes. No. No. I
0: know Paris very well. I know Paris very well. <laughs> and
1: then my mother had a ladies' boutique. Then we were on holiday when I was probably about 12 years old uh, in the Wilderness George area, and she loved the area. She fell in love, and she decided to buy a house there. And she just told my dad, "We're all moving." And uh, she started a little boutique there. And so we as a family probably grew up in a little one-store retail setup. And that's where we probably uh, learned about retail. So, uh, yeah, went to school there in the Otanikwa High School. Uh, went uh, to the Stalamos University, yeah. And then uh, my brother had the wisdom of getting going in George, and he was kind enough to uh, afford me a little opportunity in Mossel Bay. Gave me a bit of stock, probably about 20-30 grams of a stock at a small Step, shop. Step uh,
0: slowly. You're going through the story so fast, brother. <laughs> there, there's a wonderful story about how your mum had this boutique, quite high end, I think, in in uh, in Mossel Bay. I think
1: yeah, not and as high as not as high end as the Luminance boutique up in Joburg, but yes. not
0: quite luminance. No, not quite. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But it was was the luminance of its day in Mossel Bay, no doubt. Um, But she changed the business model. She took an enormous amount of courage as uh, the demographic of of Mossel Bay changed. And she said, hold on a second. I'm not going to be selling earrings and trinkets um, to the people who are coming into this town. I need to think about it differently
1: yeah well, fortune favored the brave and I um, mean as uh, you know we grew uh, older and uh, we were employable we, we We started the store, probably started out with my mother 's help and influence more as a call it a surf shop you know in the days when uh, when Balabong, Quicksilver those brands were at the top, and uh, we then had the good fortune of of the government deciding to put up that moss gas plant in Mossel Bay, you know. And what, I probably, what
0: year is this roughly?
1: That was exactly 1989, okay. you know. So, uh, yeah, I think that was probably a bit of a break for, for all of us, you know, when suddenly we were faced with 10,000 uh, construction workers. And my mother was obviously the one that had the wisdom to uh, quickly changed um, a route, and uh, we started straight away to make sure that we have the right merchandise yep. that was applicable to, to that market.
0: So you, you switched into cord brokened t- shirts well they, you know
1: for 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 those by now, if you look around you they don 't exactly wear cord and t- and, and T-shirts like like our is from the free state you <laughs> know uh, which which was a blessing you know they they know how to dress properly these guys you know I mean they know they're with trousers, their cutters, their Pringle shirts, their crockett and Jones shoes, and uh, we quickly uh, got onto that uh, that, that wagon and uh, it gave us a lovely foundation you know and, and it really set set the foundation for what was to come
0: okay so so that she changes the business model she sets that up then your brother's involved and then he brings you in explain how that worked
1: yeah well i mean i just uh, finished my i went to university and then i finished my military Uh, training in in the women's training college in George, which was obviously a fantastic experience being (laughs) two men and 200 women. You know, you had the odds on your side. You know, I was probably the second best looking guy in in, in that college, but be it as it may. It's
0: wonderful to have those kind of
1: odds. (laughs) That that all came to an end. And uh, unfortunately, the war was over. And uh, then I had to find a job. You know, that's how we found a little premises in uh, Mossel Bay. And uh, with a bit of stock and help uh, from my brother in George, uh, we got going, you know, and as I s- uh, said before, then then those guys arrived and we quickly changed tack and uh, we made sure that we provide for, for those people. But but you, you had quite an upmarket offering. If you were doing
0: Pringle shirts and, and Crockett and Jones shoes, it is a fairly upmarket offering. Yeah. Where does Techie Town get born? What is the concept there? How do you switch out of that business that uh, starts with your mum and your brother and that you get into into Techie Town?
1: Yeah, well, very interesting. So obviously we, we had a good time, you know, basically for I would say five six years. But that, you know, all all good things come to an end. And uh, then we realized we had to change that again. And then uh, in probably about 96, that was uh, the time when South Africa got forgiven for all their sins. And the companies like Nike and Reebok, they came back into the country. And uh, then we started uh, stocking those type of product and uh, pretty much did that for about three or four years. So we changed from a uh, from high end, probably clothing type outlet to a uh, more of a sports store with the sports brands as the main focus. And uh, then probably a very significant event happened, I would say, in the year 2000 now. By then, you know, I've, I've made the store bigger and I opened another sports store in George. And uh, my brother went on to other type of business and uh, then one day I had a very significant event when I went all the way to Port Elizabeth to go and see the guy from Caterpillar Footwear and uh, I thought I was going to buy 50 or 100 pairs of shoes and he put the inventory on the table and the samples and I just quickly calculated and I saw there's like 12,000 pairs of shoes and uh, something just said to me offer the guy 1.2 million for all the shoes which i did he looked at me in a in a funny way and he and he told me that i was crazy and then he asked me how i was going to pay him, and uh, without thinking i i committed by paying him by telling him that i was going to pay him the next day which i thought what have i just done you know because <laughs> and that night i've got a very did good did you have
0: did you have access to 1.2 million
1: rand uh, it, Alt, alt, well, very interesting. N- n- not really, but <laughs> but but that evening, <laughs> my good old friend Martin asked him for his old friendship. Everybody that knows him he's very well, an ex springbok cyclist. Um, we went out and after a nice take and obviously a few drinks as well, he took me to a, a auto bank machine and he explained to me, you know, how we're going to get 1.2 million rand <laughs> because I've explained to him that i got two flats in Mossel Bay with bonds uh, of about 450 available on each. And I just sold a little building, you know, where the guy owned me. Um, uh, uh, he owed me a deposit of, of 300,000 Rand. So um, after, you know, taking that auto bank machines. And withdrawing two uh, autobank checks after transferring the money into my own account of 450 each and uh, phoning the guy that had to pay me the $300,000. <laughs> um, and I just asked him to, to, to just fax me the deposit slip. So the next day, obviously I was in two months. So I had to leave town or I had to go to the guy with the money. And, <laughs> I, and I arrived there with two autobank checks. And the deposit slip, and, and, and I was, like they say, in, in poker terms, I was all in. <laughs> you were all in, but you,
0: you took a big step. And so often we hear the stories of people who are going along, running very nice businesses, but they then make a p- pivotal decision which changes their fate, the fate of their business forever. When it works, it works really well. Yeah. When it bombs, it bombs really badly. Yeah. So this is the year 2000. You go yeah. off to to Port Elizabeth. You're now sitting with 1.2 million rands worth of stock and two shops. Yes. Uh, you need to find outlets for these Caterpillar shoes, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So obviously that is probably not the wisest thing to do. But it, whoever knows Martin Neff knows that, that that is a man of, of, of means and, and ability. you know, And being probably the best salesman that I've ever come across, in, in a space of probably three months, I think he sold 90% of that stock. Uh, double the price to all the co-ops around the country <laughs> and uh, we always sold a little bit through the two stores and we started wholesaling a little bit but that that got us going and then and then the other suppliers got word of this you know i remember in jordan shoes at had a lot of leather and the factory is quiet and, and Rob Jordan asked us to come and see him and we did a deal with him where he made us 9,000 pairs of Bronx, we agreed a price. Uh, Reebok ran into some, some difficulty because they had a distributorship and it was uh, badly managed and, and, and I think we cleared about 30,000 shoes from them. But we were then pretty much with the help of Martin and, and we, we pretty much set up a, a bit of a wholesale business but we quickly realized that we should start getting shops going as well. So, but but yes, as you say, things can bomb out badly. And, and we were probably as... as Although we were all in, you know, we, we never made debt. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why, why we survived.
0: Tonight, Shapeshifter, Bram van and Founder and Managing Director of Techie Town. Bram, you're sitting in the year 2000. You're getting stock from Jordan Shoes. You're getting stock from Caterpillar. You're getting stock from Reebok. You're a wholesaler, but you realise you need to go into the retail business. You... Start opening shops at an extraordinary pace. Take me through the process. Yeah,
1: I was driving into Cape Town one day and I saw a big sign there by Somerset West, big value mall opening. And uh, I took the number down, I found a guy, got hold of Gerard Juester. I drove straight to his offices. My kids was uh, probably still in nappy sort of thing. I remember I had to wait about 45 minutes to see the guy, but I was going to wait. And they uh, eventually saw, saw me, and I signed up pretty much my first Techie down lease, you know, also a name that my mother came up with. And uh, we had a good start, you know, and soon after that, we weren't really, uh, we didn't really have the idea to expand as such, but, uh, you know, somebody contacted us in Goodwood. We found a site there. We opened another store. Somebody called us about a site in Belleville. We opened a store there. So we slowly, slowly got going, you know, and obviously all these uh, opportunity stock that we have bought, we probably bought very well, you know, because there was nobody really doing that, and it really gave us a good start. We were making some fantastic margins from the outset, you know, and, and we could already then sell at, at really, I would say, fairly below a normal market price sort of thing, and and that gave us a, a in in the market, you know, And, uh, you know, when we took the dust out of our eyes, you know, we realized we had probably 10, 15 stores and and it, it really escalated. It, it really snowballed. I was very fortunate, you know, to get the help of probably three guys, you know, being Darby, uh, Fanny Kerk, Michael Brown, Kurt Larson, Just probably guys with the best work, work ethic I've ever seen. Guys that could really work hard. So we worked around the clock, you know. And I mean, for us, it was it was not about business hours, you know, but it was about doing business. But
0: you, you, I'm I'm just fascinated as to what changes, what sort of switch comes on in your head, to go from a store or two to go to 100 by 2008, to 250, I think, or thereabouts that you've got at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think we probably didn't think about it a lot, you know, (laughs) in in hindsight, we probably have gone away, uh, you know, we'll go about it in a far more conservative way. But If If you
0: thought about it, would it be a very different business?
1: Absolutely, you know, that's why sometimes, you know, that's why I also got involved in, in horse racing, you know, it's something that you don't, because I, I, I see in horse racing, the more you think about it, the more you get it wrong, you know, you, you should play your numbers and names, you know, yeah. not trying to study the form, but you know, probably what helped us a lot was the downturn in 2007, 2008, you know, so we found a lot of, um, available premises uh, there was a bit of a panic in the market and, and from the landlord side sort of thing so opportunities came about and I, I remember the one year I think we went from 60 stores to 100 stores and obviously the guys worked very hard I can remember the one Friday, the last Friday November, we opened 9 stores on one day and, and we coped you know so we, <laughs> uh, how we people, did it, nobody People knows. listening
0: to this, anybody who's ever gone and opened a single store of anything, Brahm, was going to think that you're completely mad
1: you remember? I remember the one day in Plittersburg Bay we were opening the store. I mean, we we were supposed to open that morning eight o'clock. I think by ten o'clock the shoputters left at the back of the store, and the customers were coming in the front of the store. You know? <laughs> but uh, we, there's many stories stories like that. But thanks God, that's behind us. You know, we've we've obviously improved on our s- systems and structures. We have fantastic shoputters. You know, we have fantastic people arranging all of this, doing fantastic work. So that's why we have the capability now of really turning it on when we have to.
0: But when when you look at it, and the the big lesson here is that in times of crisis where everybody is running for the door, you were waiting for the doors to be locked behind them so that you could go and lock in the landlord's door and say, I see an opportunity here. You were seeing opportunity where others were seeing risk and seeing catastrophe. You saw opportunity because I'm assuming in 2008 when all this is happening and you go on the massive growth spurt that you go on, Mm. again, you're going up to, um, how do you put it, you're sort of going in there, uh, so you're yeah, all try- in you're yeah, all that's in a, and, yeah, and, and, and
1: yeah we're probably you know the, the, the opposite of what any, any normal thinking man would, would do and, and probably I know there's some difficult times ahead of us now as well you know we just saw the latest retail figures I think it's not as as, as good as people ex- expected sort of thing I don't think there's really reason to panic I think business is fairly steady I just listened on your news uh, bulletin earlier about uh, and I'm grateful for the for the strike of tomorrow that has now been postponed uh, you you know i would also love the people to get twelve and a half thousand rand because then they can spend more in our shops and we've got Absolutely. shops in all those platinum areas: <laughs> yeah. the burgers forts polo we would love that but that is not sustainable unfortunately you know and and the mines need to trade profitable or those investors will go and go and look for opportunity somewhere else when,
0: when you consider the, the risks you've taken, the opportunities that you've taken to build this business of Techie Town, it takes you to the point where, I think it's 2010 or 2011, um, you win the Southern African chapter of the Ernst & Young World Entrepreneur Awards. Now, this is probably the, the highest accolade a South African entrepreneur can get.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I was really humbled by that. You know, if you think of other previous winners like Chris Becker from Nasper, you know, there's Brian Joffe from Bidvest, people like Mark Lombardi, a real icon in in retail uh, Patrice patrice you know the, probably one of the wealthiest men in the world uh, and many more sort of things so for for pretty much for the business that was a fantastic accolade and uh, and i think now we also realized you know if we want to be named in that company you know we'll have to keep our show as good as as has been up until to, uh, up until that point you've tried
0: franchising it didn't work
1: yeah, I would, we, we did try it, but I, I don't recommend it in our line of business. You know, the guys was making too much money too fast and just reinv- buying cars and houses, you know, and they didn't follow the principle of reinvesting in stock in, in, in their business. And that's one thing that we did. You know, when when we make 10 rand profit in a year, you know, we, 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 we save 3 rand and we take 6 rand uh, for, for new shops and, and reinvest that sort of thing. And that has always been our philosophy. That's why we, we went as fast as our profit allowed us to. Uh, how big does this business get? Is it reached a ceiling yet? No, I think we're very far from the ceiling, especially if you think what Africa can uh, yep. can can bring. in. You know, I mean, I had a meeting yesterday from a guy in Tanzania. The people is really inundating us in trying to acquire our basically franchise for Africa, and they will probably have to tackle it a little bit different. You know, because I think Africa is is, is not for anyone, and uh, and I think we in particular have a fantastic uh, opportunity there. Uh, especially for the product that that is really wanted in, in, in those regions. But I think we'll just have to go about it very cautiously, you know, and I don't think we have to f- fire away shotgun style. We, we really have to go about... Like a like a sniper and and look at the best opportunities first, you know. And and we just went in Namibia, which is what we call Africa Light, and that's been immensely successful for us. And you know, we can do the Botswanas and and the Mozambiques and the Zimbabwes. You know, we're looking forward to do all that because you know, we I mean, we have a fantastic store in Messina and in Oshakati, which just shows us people's coming over the boundary and they love yeah. our product. So so I think as far as Africa is concerned, I've got bad news for my kids, you know, they're not going to become trust children, you know, they're going to work hard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, at least they've got jobs, um, provided yeah. they they pull their weight. Give, give me a sense, please, and you're a private company, you're under no obligation to disclose yeah. it whatsoever, but how big is your turnover? How big you know, is this business? You know what, technology?
1: I'm not shy to tell you, you know, because we're very proud about it. I mean, we we, we turned last year in excess of a billion rand, you know, which, which I think is a lot of money, and 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 you, you know, seeing that I would have loved to tell you our oh, profit, you know, but maybe some <laughs> somebody thinks we're making too much money and my rent might go up. But, exactly,
0: but, you don't want that. You don't yeah, have that. But but um, really, is this is this a business that lists at some point in the future, or does it stay private forever?
1: You know, we we are inundated by by people that would like to list us now, and 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 uh, we are, you know, have a few approaches from private equity companies, and um, you know what, we we currently looking at, at 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 one partner that we think can take our business to the next level, because you know what, as it is, we don't have debt, so that we don't. Uh, They really have the need for an investor as such to to grow the business even more. But if somebody can come along and help us to take this business to that next level, you know, where we can go and open 500 or 1,000 stores in Africa over the next 10, 15 years, whatever time it takes, we'll be grateful for that.
0: The indestructible Bram van Heistien, this evening founder and managing director of Techie Town, i have been honored to have you on The Money Show this evening. What a fabulous story by far. One of my favourite interviews of 2014. And it's likely to stay in the top of the pops for the whole year because there are not many of those sorts of guys who can tell a tale the way Bram does, who's done as well as he does in the short of space of time as he has as well. Bram Van Hastien from Techie Town.